2: Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each
0: week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the US. But sometimes they venture out with everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live-person interviews, to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons. There's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn.
1: Hello, hello, welcome back. I'm the Mysterious Justin. Ooh. And I'm the Spooky Jay. Oh, I should have went with Slimy. Oh, Slimy? For today's cryptid. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha Mucus covered. Yeah. It helps me breathe. <laughs> no one would know what you're talking about. It's okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. I know. It makes me happy.
3: <laughs> That's true. It's true. Uh, The mucus covered Justin is uh-huh. here.
1: Uh, This week we're doing... Um, a giant salamander hidden in the Trinity Alps of California, but we'll get more of that here in a second. Uh, Credit for this research goes to uh, mysteriousuniverse.org Good website. It's uh, very helpful uh, because they wrote this out very nice to help us kind of get through it and kind of pick notes and stuff. So basically, in the U.S., we're going to get into all these species. The U.S. and China has several or that U.S. and Asia. Are we about to jump into some real deep salamander speak? Oh yeah, it's going to be. I, I can't it's wait. It's a heck of a ride. All right. All right. I like this already. A lot of our viewers say they really like the sciency episodes. Yeah, this is a very sciencey episode. Okay. <laughs> um But no. So there are giant salamanders on two continents currently. Uh, there were more. And at one point, giant salamanders ruled the Earth. Define what makes it giant. Modern-day giant salamanders range anywhere from three feet to six feet. Okay. Prehistoric giant salamanders, which would have been... (laughs) I don't know the name of the period anymore. I, I just crack up,
3: though, because I can, I can ask you a very specific question, and Justin goes into this mode where it's it's like he's reading it from a textbook. Because it's but, photographic memory. But that textbook's in his head. Then he just draws up the excerpt, reads it word for word. And then we move on. <laughs>
1: and then we move on. Uh, but no, um, stuff like uh, Diplococcus and stuff like that were giant salamanders of the olden days. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that the dinosaur? No. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking there of Diplodocus. Is, yeah. There are a couple, Diplo is, there's a lot of dinosaurs that start with Diplo. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, that's the boomerang head salamander. The you di- played Ark. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's the one they use as an oxygen tank. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's a giant salamander. Okay. Like boomerang head. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there's others, I'm trying to think of the really big one now, I can't think of its, its actual scientific name, but they topped out about 18 feet long. Oh, wow. They were the largest land carnivore for a long time salamanders mm. there's even a couple marine species so wait they were carnivores oh yeah so they only they're ate... still carnivores they
3: only eat meat or mm-hmm. flesh huh okay other animals well yeah uh...
1: salamanders are actually pretty good predators uh they just are really small now
3: gotcha okay mostly and axolotls are not very good predators are they
1: uh they're pets okay okay that's like saying your domestic pug isn't a very good predator yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, the we... wild oxalots were a big difference than modern-day oxalotls. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, because they didn't glow yellow and glow under black light right. in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah. It's just like saying, man, my pug really can't catch those squirrels. <laughs> yeah, he can't, can he?
3: He's not built for that anymore. He can't really breathe. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, yeah.
1: So I'm going to – I guess we're just going to dive right into it. This is going to be, I think, a pretty chunky episode. Okay. Uh, so before we get into it, I guess, another tangent – this is one of the cryptids that I actually had the opposite problem of though I normally do. So normally you find these really cool cryptids that are kind of one-off things we want to talk about. And we start looking into them, and there's just nothing. I, there's two paragraphs here, and it's the same paragraph on every page you research about yep. them. This is the opposite. I thought I was going to run into that. Like Last night I was doing my scripts and stuff. I was like, uh, you know, I'll research it just to see, but I didn't, I already had it written off in my head. It wouldn't be going to be a very good one. Mm-hmm. And it, every there was a lot there. People have looked for this thing. Like there yeah. was actual expeditions we're going to get into, uh, a lot of eyewitnesses. Like it, it's, it's a really neat one. People looked for, for this. this animal as in, uh, like we just talked about the ivory bill woodpecker. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like there's, There was a group, this was a little longer ago than that, but there was a group that actually went out for a university expedition to look for these creatures. Hmm. Um, there's a couple candidates we're going to talk about that could be this creature. And at the end, I have a special surprise for everyone that just came out on Thursday, I believe, is when this uh, thing we're going to talk about was released. So this is right off the presses. May 2022. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's a very cool thing. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into it. First, I'll tell you about the area. The Trendy Alps are located within the Kalamath mountain system. And anybody that's a Bigfoot fan, uh, especially the Pacific Northwest Bigfoot, should know this mountain range. Uh, I'll get into specific. Mount- that's the big range. Then there's smaller mountain ranges in that. Okay. So the Trendy Alps are one of the smaller mountain ranges in the Calmouth Mountains. Gotcha. Uh, Between the California coast and just west of the Cascade Mountain Range. That's the one everybody should know. Is that the Stone Apes or no? No, that's Vietnam. Okay. Uh, No, the Cascade Mountains are like some of the biggest modern Bigfoot hot spots in the world. Okay, gotcha. Just crazy amounts of activity in the Cascade Mountains. Okay. Um, I think somebody made the comment, whether how true it is or not, more people that go in that area have Bigfoot experiences than don't. Oh, okay, uh, but it's a hard area to get to a lot of times and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a Bigfoot kind of like mecca. Hot spot. Yeah. Um, where was I? Sorry. The surrounding uh, surrounding the Trinity Alps is a uh, vast wilderness area, uh, which is known as the Trinity Alps Wilderness. Uh, there is three national forests covering a staggering. Five hundred and seventeen thousand acres. That's a big swath of land, mm-hmm. making it the second largest uh, designated wilderness area in California. Which there's a lot of them, so that's oh, it's impressive. Say, it's a big state, and right? There's it, a lot of wilderness. Uh, when people think of California, you think of like Southern California,
3: yeah. Like the you know, um, California has like every like biome in its state. It has state. a lot of different. It has a lot of biomes, like big mountains, it has desert, mm-hmm. it has. It used to land. have
1: wetlands, but they're gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Just sink in the ocean? No, a oh. lot of the natives ruined them. Na- oh, like modern? Native, Cal- Native modern Californians. hmm Can't live with them, can't uh, live without them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, yes. It, 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 California <laughs> is a very impressive state, uh, whether you're yeah. looking salamanders, fish, mammals, or reptiles. For wildlife biodiversity yeah. and stuff it, like it, that. It, it, it does have a lot of unique species to it. Mm-hmm. Um hmm me and Emily used to breed was called rosy boas, Ooh. which are a North American boa species. And California has like ten different subspecies of just the rosy boa of just one snake species. Oh, cool! Yeah, or maybe even more because there's like five on the Baja Peninsula. Okay, that's southern part, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what we Another tangent. Blue blue whales. That's a, uh, one of the best calving grounds left in the world. Is that Baja Peninsula? Mm-hmm. Like that little inlet right mm-hmm. there? Oh, cool! Blue whales go to calf there. Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um. So where was I? Second, the largest designated wilderness. Within this sweeping vast, there is a pristine mountain wilderness, uh, all kinds of flourishing variety of wildlife, including large species such as bears, deers, mountain lions, wolverine, as well as numerous smaller species of mammals, reptiles, birds, and amphibians. Along with um, a thriving biodiversity, there also exists another large species, or perhaps there may exist another large species. Of giant salamander mm. that has been reported up to 10 feet in length in the region for decades. Actually, it's over 100 years it's been reported. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And keep in mind, this area is hard to get to. Right. And people see it. Right. And uh, we'll get into it later, but this is taken very seriously by several different universities. Um, and. Yeah, it, it's, it's just a unique story. The more I read it, the more I was like, this is a weird one for us to do, in a good way. Yeah. Like, there's a, you can go with the cryptozoology path. Some people, like, some of the universities did that. Some of them went the invasive species path. Mm-hmm. So, if, well, we'll get into it. But if it was an invasive species. Somebody would have to carry it up a mountain. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> what we're dealing with at our local lake, with Indian Lake, with the zebra mussels, where they hitch a ride. That you'd have to carry a giant salamander up to this area up a mountain yeah and
3: it's not easy so you're almost imagining it wasn't invasive it was just no. there
1: like uh we'll talk about the giant japanese salamander later mm-hmm. but that's the size of a small seal
3: okay that's pretty big
1: yeah is it and a, they got a heck of a bite yes hmm. so you got this thing's trying to bite you the whole time
3: yeah trying to carry it up as a mountain. you're carrying up a mountain that sounds like fun it's a big slimy seal
1: yeah that's doesn't that sound easy all right so let's get into it uh, basically, there you have... A, in this article, they have a little explanation of what cryptozoology is. Everybody that's listening to this podcast does not need that explanation. Right. So if you go to this article at uh, uh, Mysterious Universe, that's why I skipped it. <laughs> because we all know it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we already privy to that information.
1: Mm-hmm. So the uh, the modern mystery of the Trinity Alps Giant salamander started back in the 1920s when a hunter of the name of Franklin L. Griffith was out hunting deer in the remote area near the head of the new river. When he came across a rather bizarre sight. at the bottom of the lake, he reported seeing five enormous salamanders. Um, he described them as ranging a size from two to three meters. So five to nine feet long. The, the fascinated hunter went through, or went, <laughs> went about trying to catch one of these strange creatures uh, with a hook and line and allegedly was successful. So I'm gonna pause right there before I continue. Is it easy to catch salamander yes. with a Token Line? Okay. I've done it a lot on okay. accident. Yeah. Uh not hellbenders, which we we'll, are gonna get into what a hellbender is. Mud puppies though, which are probably the sixth biggest true salamander in the US. Okay. Um there are bigger amphibians in the US, but not true salamanders. But yeah, they're probably the f- no, they're probably the fourth biggest. Okay. Um, so they get rather large They get a, like a foot or two long And that's what you've caught? Yeah We catch them ice fishing a lot Oh okay cool uh, They will run at baits Really? Uh, they are actual predators Like it's weird to think about Most people Like well you've seen my dumpy salamanders Right yeah No wild salamanders are actually adept predators hmm. They see food and they go for go it Go for it yeah uh, Most of the time my puppies go back alive They're pretty tough hmm. So yeah I did want to say that That him seeing one walking up to it And throwing food in front of it And it going and biting it is not out of the Shocking question at all. Yeah, that, I would believe it. Can you eat salamanders like that? Can you eat mud puppies? Uh, remind me about that later. Okay. Because uh, no. Okay. For reasons. <laughs> um, but the massive creature, uh, proved to be. Oh, sorry. This writing's really tiny. Proved to be too strong for him. He was forced to give up and let it swim back down to the the bottom of, and to join the others again. Okay. So, basically, he hooks this thing, he pulls it up, and he just can't wrestle this thing in. Yeah. Uh, from the original story, he kind of catches one of the smaller ones, which mm-hmm. is still five to six feet long.
3: It's still a big creature. Yeah, you know, which
1: at a salamander of that size, so probably about 80 pounds, 90 pounds. Okay. Um because it's a lot of tail.
3: Are there, I was gonna say, are their legs and extremities strong, like to pull or? Yeah, they're, swim away? they're not.
1: They're not weak animals. Yeah, uh, they swim more like a crocodile, so their legs aren't very strong, but their body mass is. Yeah, okay. So they can wiggle. Yeah, it's like holding a big snake, a big slimy snake. Uh, so yeah. So he gave up. <laughs> um, yeah. So the frustrated Griffith would uh, leave the scene empty-handed, but would never forget about what he saw that day. It was with this story a long weird history of the giant salamander sightings in the trendy alps region would begin with numerous eyewitness accounts continuing and all uh similarly describing a very large salamander range from five to ten feet in length with a black brown or dark brown to black coloration these sightings would turn um would turn in oh sorry would in turn, there you oh, go. Oh, sorry, in turn, my dyslexia Yeah, I'd was, flipping, that. The, was yeah. flipping the, <laughs> would in turn launch various expeditions into the Trinity Alps wilderness area to try to find these uh, endemic monsters. One of the first serious attempts to find a specimen in the Trinity Alps giant, of, of the Trinity Alps giant salamander was by a biologist named Thomas L. Rogers? Rogers, I'd Rogers? Say. Yeah. So before I go on. Yeah. A lot of names in this. A lot of people you can actually look up. Which is awesome. Yeah, which? which is... That's what... When I started reading this last night, I'm like, that's so weird. Like, it's... That you can actually... Like, we, we've talked about it with a couple other stories we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly, like, the Beast of Cherubasco. That How you to... could actually see, look up things about it. Physical evidence. Like, that... I could type in... You could type in this guy and look up what university he's with. And, you know, he's a department biologist and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So... Uh, Rogers, uh, inspired by the uh, 1920s Griffith account uh, and scattered sightings that have been made since then, so it doesn't give me a date of when Rogers went looking, but yeah, Rogers would end up uh, monitoring a total of four, or yeah, m- mounting a total of four separate expeditions into the Trinity Alps over a year to, sc- uh, to score the region of any signs of such a beast. Roger was unable to flip page, locate or n- er, neither the specimen nor any evidence of them however his team was able to find numerous species of pacific giant salamander which are the third largest species of giant salamander in the u.s um i'm not going to go into its family name you guys are good salamanders <laughs> i will say that had the some of the weirdest scientific names like uh fire salamanders well that's easy Salamandra, Salamandra, Salamandra. <laughs> That's my favorite one. It's the easiest you
3: know, one. Yeah, and I can remember
1: Ambystoma mexicanum. That's foreign language to me. Axolotl. Oh, <laughs> means small salamander from Mexico. Oh, okay. Um. So where was I? Yeah. So these uh, giant Pacific salamanders, uh, the known species that can attain the lengths of around thirty centimeters, twelve inches long, long. Uh, uh, although none of these specimens. Have been recorded at more than a foot, so actually the mud puppy would be bigger.
3: Really, than the giant? Yeah, yeah mud puppies salamander. can get two feet. Okay, but these giants—I'm trying to say it right. Giant Pacific, Pacific salamanders—they're still
1: around today. Yeah, yeah, they're endangered or threatened, I believe, but they're—they're they're there. Okay, uh, but so he found a bunch of these looking for the big guys. He found okay, cool. So okay. he didn't find the big guys, but he found these. Which, if you remind me, this is another one note for you. Oh gosh, misidentification. Okay. So, I don't know. Here's a piece of paper. You, what was your other notes? Eating them and misidentification. Mm-hmm. You have to remind me. I'll try. Um, so, yes. So, Rogers uh, came up with the theory that the, tr- uh, the, the cryptid uh, of the Trinity's River, uh, the Trinity Alps giant salamander could be a type of uh, giant Pacific salamander that was basically... Uh, experiencing a uh, geo geo-iso- isolation and would cause a gigantism
3: okay just from being in that specific area by themselves. by themselves yeah
1: they fill the niche of being apex okay uh so you know i it's kind of like reverse island is these little lakes up there so when you get up okay you're when the you- only thing that you're the biggest guy in the pond so you just get bigger okay makes you sense you take you take the niche of big guy and yeah He also theorized that the mysterious salamander uh, could be a new type of giant salamander related to the Asian giant salamanders, which we'll talk about. There's two-ish modern species. Ish? Hint? Hint, hint. hint. (laughs) Uh, That's the part I'm really excited about today. Oh,
3: boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't wait.
1: Um, These these creatures uh, inhabit streams and rivers of Japan and China. These get truly massive. Okay. So, what have we talked about? Five to ten feet for this guy that's being seen in the Trandy Alps? Yes. Uh, So, we're going to talk about some links that make that not out of question. Okay. Um, The giant Japanese salamander can reach sizes of about 4.7 feet in length, where the Chinese giant salamander can reach 5.9 feet. Is what the biggest of each species we found. Five point
3: nine feet or five point nine meters. Feet. Feet. Okay. Five point
1: nine meters would be like fifteen. A great or white 20, shark. Twenty feet. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't know. Just making sure. Uh, but yeah. So, I have a little story for you about the world record Japanese giant salamander. Okay. I think I may have told you this story.
3: Maybe. Let's start going. I'll let you know if you. Have so, uh,
1: a family. This is the third generation. Basically, this grandpa. So, a long time ago built a stream to go through their basement and they kept a baby one as a pet
3: wow okay so these
1: giant japanese sound can live a long long time
3: was this like around here japan oh it's in japan okay gotcha I japan mind. i didn't know if someone imported one and had it as a pet no japan okay
1: <laughs> um so these japanese giant sound managers, this grandpa had a young one he built the stream for it so it had fresh water it's basically they're their basement was like a pond with a freshwater stream running through it. Sweet, uh, they're about two and a half foot of water, and this guy was like the third generation taking care of this the salamander they had in their basement. Yeah, perfect health, great a great habitat for the animal. Uh, they took great great care of it. Eventually, it got discovered, and they are very protected. Okay, uh, very very protected. Yeah, a uh, panda level. Oh, okay. Uh, so just so everybody understands when I say very protected, there's a couple animals on the planet that are like. What we say panda level because people know what a panda is, and I'd say th- that's they'll best. shoot you if you look at a panda right. wrong. It's a
3: great example.
1: Japanese giant sound manager up there because it's like a, a cultural heritage animal that is about out the window. Yeah. Um. So they took it out of the basement, um, and the guy was distraught. The whole family was distraught because this is like a member of their family. Right. Yeah. For three generations, and it didn't do well. Oh no. And eventually, I believe they did bring it back, and they had it, but they had certain rules they had to follow and stuff like that. Where they had to be on display and stuff. Because then it t- took it from a breeding program. Because they were going to take it to a breeding program
3: mm. uh,
1: for its genetics. Because it was one of the old school ones. Yeah. and But this animal was around 100 years old. It was old, old. Right. Uh, so just so they basically had it where they put a display window in the side of their house. So they could look in the basement. So people could see it if they Observe to. the creature. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That was one of the cool stories I, I seen on Animal Planet when I was a kid. Uh, basically it looked like they called it the Monster in the Dungeon. If anybody looks up giant Japanese salamander and sees that one that looks like a big flat seal on the measuring board, that's probably that's it. him. Oh, sweet. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he, he gets measured once a year and stuff like that. They are doing all kinds of research He's Still with alive, him. then? Yeah. Uh, last I looked, he was still alive. It's been a bit. Okay. Uh, they live a good long time. Yeah. Well, clearly, over mm-hmm. 100 years. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, giant Chinese salamander, 5.9 feet. Uh, both are what is known as... Cryptobronchiatides. Ooh. Uh, from the family Kryptobronchidae. <laughs> I hate scientific names so much. <laughs> uh, a group of giant salamanders uh, known for their extremely large size, prominent folds that cover their body in order to create more surface to absorb oxygen. So with giant Japanese salamanders, giant Chinese salamanders, and hellbenders, they actually breathe through their skin. Okay. So they have these giant... If you look at... A hellbender is a good example uh, for the U.S., they have these giant folds or flappy skin on their sides mm-hmm. and people don't understand what that is. That's like their lungs or their gills. Gills. Okay. Do all salamanders breathe through their skin? Nope. Just these big uh, ones? Or? A couple, a couple species, a couple family groups too. So none of the family groups I have in my collection breathe through their skin.
3: Oh, okay. They're all mouth breather mouth or, or gill. Gill breather. Oh, really? Gills. Axolotls.
1: That's the, the antlers the, on their heads. Yeah. Those that's are gills. gills. Like external gills almost. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Almost all amphibians start out like that, and then they lose them over time. Hmm. But, yeah, so... I don't have any, uh... Yeah, I just don't have any that do... They're normally a little harder to keep. Well, I bet. I can imagine. because uh, it's just, yeah. And they don't... Look Fire as... salamanders are about the hardest thing you can keep, and they're a, I, they're a pain. So, uh, that's it for me.
3: <laughs> you got your ear over your head.
1: Uh, no, I can take care of them fine, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah, your plate's full. How about that? Yes. Um... <laughs> So later on, the theory was bolstered by a scientific journal paper uh, written by herpetologist, which is the study of reptiles and amphibians. Ah, uh, that was actually what I was going to go to school for first. Herpetologist mm-hmm. hmm. at University of Louisiana. Ah, oh, what happened? I went to fish. Ah, of course. That was always my big toss-up in life. <laughs> Salamanders or fish? Amphibians or fish? Okay, still, still is. I think mm. I'm not. I'm not settled yet. I know. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> um. But yeah, written by herpetologist George S. Myers in 1951, who agreed that the ri or the Trinity's Alps giant salamander could be a type of Asian giant salamander from the uh, genus Andreas or Andrea's um called the Meg Oh my gosh, I hate these names.
3: Where is it? Oh, it's that big one I
1: yeah. see it. Uh s. Okay, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, there you go. Um And provides his own bizarre first-hand sighting uh, to prove it. Myers allegedly came across a specimen of Asian giant salamander that was captured in the Sacramento River in 1938 by a fisherman. The fisherman uh, claimed that the creature had been tangled in one of his catfishing nets. And Myers went to investigate. Uh, When he saw the giant salamander, it resembled the Asian giant salamander, except... For the coloring, which was dark brown instead of the uh, usual slate gray or dull yellow, Hmm. uh, which is... Oh, sorry. I might have skipped a line. Coloring, which was dark brown instead of the usual slate gray and dull yellow spots, which had not been found on the Asian varieties, Um, which I don't think is true anymore. Yeah. Uh, I've seen plenty of Asian giant salamanders that that have the yellow... they are yellow. Oh, okay. But they were really critically endangered for a long... They still are. So they may have just not had the color variants Just slowly coming mm-hmm. back. Keep in mind, this is 39, 1939. Right, yeah. Um, Myers al- was allowed to examine the specimen up close. He wrote of the discovery, the animal was a fine Asian salamander in perfect condition. It was between 25 and 30 inches in length. The source of the specimen is, of course, unknown. Its strange coloration even suggests a possible of native... A uh, Californian giant salamander. Ah. Which would uh, not be surprising, or would not be surprising, but no other captures have been reported.
3: So, have there not been Have there not been any official capturings of these five dust? Uh, whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. You're Wha- skipping ahead. I still have two pages. I and know. And you're asking that kind of question. I know. We're only in the 30s, or the 50s. Well, true, true. We still got a long time. But no, so, <laughs> salamanders are good hiders yeah always have been always will be
3: i didn't know that until uh, you showed me how to find them
1: mm-hmm.
3: and, a couple weeks ago yeah
1: and they're everywhere yeah i found that out too you pull a brick out of your house there's 15 salamanders shoved <laughs> in that hole uh but no for example the reticulated siren which is an amphibian not a true salamander okay uh is a three foot long purple polka dotted they have giant fuzzy gills like oxalice but huge where is this in florida Wow. I guess when it was just first discovered?
3: 1952.
1: 1920s. Okay. Wasn't seen until 2016.
3: Really? So in- they seen it in the 20s and then haven't seen it since 2016, 26- 100 years later? Yeah.
1: Holy crap. So. What's this called again? A reticulated siren. A reticulated siren. I've had dwarf sirens. Okay. And I've had, uh, what else have I had? I think I've only had dwarf sirens. What's
3: reticulated mean?
1: Just a different color different okay.
3: different species like a reticulated python Yeah
1: kind of it's a, it's that broken up pattern on their back Okay um it just it just uh, they look like they're big purple things They look like Barney
3: That's weird Uh but yeah they look like Barney
1: <laughs> So giant salamanders and that is in Florida That is an area that is studied constantly extensively And With- now we're talking about a mountain system that doesn't get a lot of visitors Right yeah so just for everybody at home so, back to the Myers story. Uh, it is not known what happened to the specimen after that. Uh, a few years after Myers published his report, an animal handler by the name of Vern Hardin reported seeing a dozen giant salamanders in the remote Herbert Lake of the Trinity Alps, uh, which he described as being up to eight feet in length. Hardin, who claimed to have uh, hooked one on the line, but just as it happened with Griffith in the 1920s, Uh, The monstrous salamander proved just too big for him to deal with by himself. Mm -hmm. And I could agree. I've dealt with mud puppies, and they're hard, and they're two foot long. Yeah. So imagine um, a five footer. Yeah. Um, Where was I at?
3: Especially trying to wrangle it Mm -hmm. in if you got no help.
1: Yeah. Uh, This report was heard by none other than the man uh, the lake was named after, Uh, which is, oh gosh. Something. I'm putting Father Herbert.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say Herbert.
1: Uh, yeah, he's uh, a priest or a, a father. Wait, that's a priest, right? I'd think so. Yeah. Okay. Who um, was also an avid explorer and naturalist, which is a th- weird thing. A lot of those priests and monks are mm. naturalists. Mm-hmm. Like um, the, the modern father of genetics was a was a Catholic it, monk.
3: Yeah, I remember you saying that.
1: Yeah, and he experimented with uh, bean plants.
3: That's right. Didn't he like um, uh, crossbreed them and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Yeah.
1: And he, different... the Punnett squares is what he figured out. Yeah, I got the different variants mm-hmm. of flower, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just interesting little things. Okay, now I gotta find where I was. Father S- Herbert, avid explorer naturalist, uh, Herbert was first highly skeptical of the reports of giant salamanders in the Trinity Alps, but upon analyzing other similar sightings in the region. He had change of heart and started to think that there might be something to these stories. In fact, Herbert eventually became so convinced that there could be a giant salamander in the Trinity Alps region, he put together several expeditions in search of them. Along with his brother, uh, Captain John D. Herbert, between the years of 1958 and 1959, Herbert later claimed to have seen the creatures himself during uh, his excursions and has actually established their existence. But since no evidence has been put forward to support these claims, it is unknown just what they found. Hmm. And in fact, there have been some who doubt the expeditions ever took place in the first place. Oh, wow. Yep.
3: Why, why would anyone doubt there being a potentially a giant Salamander?
1: Salamanders has caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. Like... Uh, they're incredibly endangered, and they end up stopping a lot of stuff from being built. Okay, so things like that. Okay, but not like the
3: individual person. No,
1: you know, industry does not like salamanders. Yeah, a corporation industry. Yeah, but this is not an area with industry. It's just a uh, a lot of people at this time. So, if you wanted to get down to that. Uh, he could be trying to make a name for himself mm, as a naturalist. Okay. okay. And saying that he found this giant cryptic species of salamander. So there's potential for that there, I see. Yeah, so that would be an accusing. Uh, it's the same. biologists do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, especially in the older days. Not as much now, because we have photo cameras on our phones and right, stuff like right. that. Because then it's like, why didn't you take a specimen photo? Right, exactly. Um, uh, like, we had to take specimen photos when I did this kind of work. We had to do specimen photos of common species because people wouldn't believe us.
3: Yeah. So before, the, before it was more like word of mouth and, wrote, yeah, they had and written a, in their a notes. a written
1: description and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and a specimen in a jar. That, oh, okay. That or, uh, you know, a piece of a specimen. Right, Yeah, you know. Something. Some mm-hmm. tangible evidence. Um. So the Trendies Alps lakes is our next part. Okay. Nevertheless, the tale of Herbert's uh, expeditions in search of the Trendies River, or the, I keep saying the river, Trendies Alps, because there is a river. Okay, gotcha. Trendies River is where all the alligator gar are in Texas. It's their last strong suit. So it's a little bit different area. Yeah, (laughs) But it's in my head. Every time Trinity, you say river after it, because that's where we go gar fishing. Oh, okay. So (laughs) Burn in your brain. It's a force of habit. Mm -hmm. So everybody at home, that's why I keep saying Trinity River.
3: Or the mountains, California.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, So Herbert's expedition in search of the Trinity's Alps giant salamander was so intriguing, uh, it caught the attention of legendary oil uh, tycoon and millionaire and cryptid hunter, Tom Slick. Tom Slick? Mm-hmm. Never heard of him. No. He may come up in other cryptids later on. Really? Yeah.
3: So I'm sure I'm shocked I haven't yet, since he's a crypto what did it say, hunter?
1: Yes. Uh yeah. He's why there's no more Bigfoot. Ah, are you for real? No. Oh. <laughs> uh but yes. <laughs> like what he do he did go look for Bigfoot and Yeti. That's the guy that funded the 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 big Yeti expedition. Okay. Uh, he has funded a lot of cryptid research. Hmm. He funded a big Bigfoot expedition too that fell apart because the researchers couldn't get along.
3: Ah, oh, okay. I'ma take his note or his name down because that's a Tom Slick. Yeah, it's something to look. into Okay, in so Tom Slick,
1: who had scored the wilds of the world, searching for cryptids such as Bigfoot and Yeti, Slick was fascinated with the stories of the use Alps giant salamander, especially accounts given by Herbert. Uh, and so in. The, Uh, the 1960s he took some people who had been working in the pacific northwest on an expedition to find bigfoot and try to locate the specimen of the serious giant salamander Mm. so basically he took his bigfoot team that wasn't really working as a bigfoot team yeah and he was kind of mad at them i'm going to be real honest so i might spoil the story a little bit for when we do this okay uh but it's definitely a story worth to talk about again yeah uh he put a ton of money up and he had a ton of money so don't get me wrong, he didn't hurt. And,
3: he had money to spend on it.
1: Yeah, but they kind of were infighting and stuff like that. He's like, you idiots. You wanted this your whole life, somebody to give you a big wad of cash to go find Bigfoot, and you can't get along. And here you are. Yep. You're going to go look for a salamander. Yeah. <laughs> find a salamander first, and we'll go, you'll, I'll let you go look oh, for a Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what you get. All right, so the team members uh, Shoot. begrudgingly went along with the plan, even though uh, they thought it was a a just dis- you know a distraction from their main purpose and a waste of time that
3: that's so funny because like to someone like you this would have been I'd like i
1: been like i would have probably really been like screw bigfoot let's go get the sound exactly yeah. it's like a dream come true both of them yeah <laughs> i'm on a bigfoot expedition but we're gonna take a detour and go look for a salamander you're all for it you're like what you were like i've been
3: waiting for someone to
1: say this and you're putting money in my pocket <laughs> i'm very confused
3: oh my god see they just had the wrong people there at the i time. know
1: and seriously these guys were on a bigfoot expedition and at first he was like okay, we're gonna look for this giant salmon at first this guy's paying for everything yeah what are you being begrudgingly right yeah like okay begrudgingly
3: (laughs) you're like this is a dream come true begrudgingly oh my gosh
1: oh man all right now i gotta find where i was uh this is like a lot of reading but we have a lot of talk after this i've been reading for half an hour yeah yeah this is gonna be a long episode (laughs) that's all right uh we have a lot of long episodes coming out that's good Mm -hmm. we had a little a bunch of short ones there for a bit That's all right, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where was I? So, begrudgingly, and they thought it was a waste of time. After an exhausted search for several... Before I get into this, I was like, they don't find it. But these were not very motivated people to go look for this thing. True. And as you know, now, salamanders aren't the easiest thing to find sometimes. They're not. specific species.
3: Yeah. Especially if you go into it begrudgingly.
1: Yeah. So, like, I don't take this very accountable. I feel bad for Tom. Yeah, because he paid for these people to go to Everest and they fought. And then he paid these people to go in the Pacific Northwest and they fought. And he paid these people to go look for salamanders and they fought. I he should have shot him all in the back of the foot <laughs> and to help motivate him.
3: Yep, yep. Just to teach him a lesson, right in the back of the foot.
1: It's not lethal, but man, it sucks.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, that'll get you going in the right direction, or at least the rest of the team. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Gotta make an example. So, uh, okay, so after an exhaustive search in several promising areas, the expedition failed to find any evidence of them at all. And they didn't even manage to spot one. Nevertheless, it said that Tom Slick uh, especially enjoyed the expedition, and it was close to home, so he, yeah, he lived in the Pacific Northwest. Mm, Okay. um, And was able to bring along his sons. Uh, More details and entertaining accounts from Tom Slick and the Trains River in Tom Slick's The Book I'm Going to Buy. Okay, so this is a book. Everybody go buy it. Um, but it's the <laughs> Trinity's Alps Edition, as well as many of his other adventures, can be found in the cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman's book, Tom Slick, A True Life Encounters in Cryptozoology. Oh, wow. So I own a bunch of Lauren Coleman's books. Yeah, it's a big I name. I can't believe I don't own this one. It was so weird after I looked at it last night because I went through my box. Yeah. I'm like, how do I not own? I know it's such a crossover
3: with so many things. Yeah. And you don't own it.
1: It's weird. I will. It will be shipped Amazon Prime to my house. It'll be here by Friday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he enjoyed it. Tom Hmm. uh, enjoyed it. And I know a lot of the Bigfoot community has very mixed opinions on Tom Slick. Really? Super mixed. Hmm. Uh, What for? Because it depends on which scientist he was paying you talk to. Oh, really? Yeah. Whether he was just doing it to do it as a PR stunt, whether he really enjoyed it, whether he was believed, whether it was just...
3: Hmm. So, okay, so it's almost other people's accounts of him.
1: Yeah, Tom, as far as I know, keep in mind, he's been dead a while. Oh, he's dead? I'm pretty sure. I may not, he may not be. I don't or know. Or deceased, he's gone. Emily's not here to look up stuff. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, he was very, uh, he was the only millionaire, like uh, Bigelow did with Skinwalker Ranch. Right, yeah. Actually, took money and paid scientists to do the work
3: okay that that's that's significant in this field whether
1: what his motives were or not he did and as far as a lot of the documentaries talk about it go with the bigfoot expedition is they couldn't get along okay and Um, we see that in monday bigfoot like real hardcore bigfoot researchers oh i looked it up tom slick is has been dead for a while what did he die in the 80s 60s
3: it's saying he died right after this it must be at least maybe this is a different one but it's looking like this is him
1: I have a little more about Tom Slick. Okay, go on. Uh, So in September of 1960, so apparently he died in the 60s.
3: Oh, wait. Maybe this this is not him.
1: Okay. Tom Slick, oil tycoon, cryptid hunter. Type that in.
3: Wait. Never mind. This is him. And this is the Tom Slick that during the 50s, he turned his attention to expeditions to investigate Loch Ness Monster and the Yeti Bigfoot. And the Trinity Alps giant salamander. So yeah, this is him. He died in 1962.
1: Oh, so this is two years before he died. Wow. Okay. So he was up to the end, looking for this stuff. Yeah. So in 19 or in September of 1960, the same year that Tom Slick had gone off searching for the uh, for the salamander, three zoology professors: Robert C. Stebbins of the University of California Berkeley, Tom Rogers of Seaco uh, State College, and Nathan Cohen of Oh my gosh, I hate these. Met- Metastos Junior College. So we have three college professors, mm-hmm. three dif- different colleges. One's Berkeley. Oh, okay. Um, a mon- or, yeah, mounted their own expeditions in search of the creature. Uh, this was not Tom Rogers' first uh, fully into the Trinity's Alps in search of giant salamanders, as he had already made several unsuccessful expeditions to find them in 1948. Um, and was the very same for Thomas L. Rogers' Uh, who had connected the? Or yeah, had formed the theory that these are uh, an oversized, um, giant Pacific salamander. Okay,
3: is it? Is this where you wanted me to bring up your misidentification, possibly, or not yet?
1: Not yet. Okay. Uh, but a, an oversized giant salamander, or giant Pacific salamander, mm-hmm. which are the small guys. Yeah. The name's a little misleading. It is a giant salamander, but not one of the true giants. Yeah,
3: not the mammoth giants.
1: Yes. Or uh, the out-of-place Asian giant salamander. Although the pedigree of the team leader was impressive, uh, they were uh, accompanied by 10 uh, laymen who had little scientific training for this expedition's experience. The expedition was able to locate at least a dozen of the known Pacific giant salamanders, the normal guys. Mm -hmm. But none of them were over a foot long. Impressive, impressive. But none were near the 8 foot plus uh, lengths reported by the mysterious of the mysterious salamanders. This was the very same sort of uh, result Rogers had previously had. Uh, He grew skeptical of the existence of anything larger in this area. Things were made worse by the uh, continued misidentification by the less experienced team members of sunken logs for giant salamanders. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've experienced this with other people. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, shut up, shut up. What? That's not a sturgeon. It's a not a sturgeon. Log? It's a piece of wood. Yeah. So I turn back one more time, and it says not a sturgeon. I'm throwing you in. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, it brought back strong feelings. I I can I can feel this through the years. Oh yeah. Well, of, There's it, a sturgeon.
3: Did, are you seeing it from like the surface, or is it your equipment picking up something that you've seen th- it from the surface? Okay, and they just think. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha.
1: Um, yeah, so the giant salamanders were merely a product of misidentification in tall tales, is what Rogers was starting to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he treated the failure of the final expedition uh, of his as more or less a debunking of the mysterious creature, and he would write in a paper outlining his skepticism in 1962, the same year Tom Slick died. Oh, poor Tom.
3: Sounds like conspiracies afoot here.
1: No, I'm sure Tom died of something related to living in oil for the first forty years of his life. No, oil is very radioactive. Do you know that? But it also makes you stronger. Fish oil. Oh, fish oil. Not crude oil. Oh, okay. Crude oil is just
3: radioactive and bad. Yeah, but it, it gives you a good, strong qualities. Like a hairy chest and, and a death. good work ethic.
1: And death. Well, yeah, apparently, good work ethic. <laughs> All right, so back onto the giant Japanese salamander. Uh, although taking a lack of results is proof that the creature didn't exist and seemed to be a uh, a bit extreme, it nevertheless demanded any scientific curiosity there was for the uh, Trinity's Alps giant salamander, and become a rather obscure cryptological footnote and a mere curiosity. So this kind of led to the original writing off of it, as all these pre- people were going out looking for it and nobody had found it. Yeah. Um Sorry. One of the last major mainstream expeditions undertaken to find the Trinity's Alps giant salamander was by a Japanese American writer and researcher of Native American legends named Kyle Mizazungay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kyle. Yeah, it's close Kyle, man. How does he get the first name Kyle?
3: <laughs> that was, that's why I was laughing. You say Kyle, I'm um, like, uh oh. A lot of Z's and G's. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, and So he takes place in 1997. Uh, Kyle monitored. I'm sorry, I'm but Kyle, not his last name. That's fine. Uh, Kyle mounted a thorough scientific exhibition for the hunt for these creatures, but like those before him, was unable to locate any specimens, nor indeed any signs of these creatures at all. The lack of evidence of the Trinity's Alps giant salamander, uh, besides scattered sighting reports, does not make a strong case for the alleged existence, but indeed. Uh, 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 but the idea of a giant salamander living in the undiscovered is not completely far-fetched. Mm-hmm. So this is where we're going to kind of finally stop reading. It's only been 40 minutes and I can stop reading. This what? is where I'm going to take the reins. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I just had to get the story out. Because it is a very hefty story yeah.
3: full of research. And basically, like to recap it all, it's since past
1: a 100 years we've been getting... At least... We're looking at at least 15 expeditions mm-hmm. by everywhere from millionaire Bigfoot hunter right, to tons of colleges. Yeah. This is crazy. It's crazy to me. Uh, uh, and and no one
3: really turned up anything like physical, a creature, of, I guess.
1: Yeah. A lot of giant Pacific salamanders. Yeah. Which, once again, they don't get rid of the foot long. I had some notes, though. So, so uh, we will get back to the misidentification. But first, we're going to look at mud puppies. Okay, and then we're going to talk about the three giant species of mud puppies of the world.
3: Oh, okay, okay. The hellbender,
1: Salmoners. giant Japanese, giant Chinese. Okay, so the well first we'll do that. The hellbender, giant Japanese, giant Chinese are all river systems. Okay, not lake animals. Okay, so they like water. shallow river systems. Okay, or hellbender does a little deeper than the other two. They'll do through pockets and pools and stuff like that, but most of the time they're in, under flat rocks in the shallows or under banks. Okay. Um. Yeah. This creature, the lakes up there are crater lakes, extremely deep lakes. Every time a sighting took place, not from an expedition, was near the shoreline, and it was always in groups. Hmm. Okay. This mimics a couple other smaller species' behaviors. Okay. So, if these creatures... None of the reports, it looked like they were looking through the streams and rivers of the areas trying to find these. Only find the giant Pacific salamanders. Right. Again, the species that doesn't get over a foot long. Uh, like, the name's a little misleading Talk in this case. Right, right. Um, they're not looking in the deep lakes. All the sightings from locals were on shorelines of these lakes.
3: Of the deep lakes. Yes. Okay.
1: Mud puppies will live in the liver system. They'll live in these deep lakes. Hmm. Like, when we catch them ice fishing, sometimes we catch them 80, 90, 100 foot down. Really? No way. So, I think these giants, I believe this 100%. After all the research, yeah. 100%, these are real. They may be on the verge of extinction. They may be at a normal low numbers. They may be a species that's always just kind of low in numbers. Yeah. I don't think they may. I don't really think they get 8 foot, 9 foot I'm thinking they probably top out at the six or seven. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's what the Japanese giant, uh, the, all the, the Asian giant salamanders kind of top off. I just think that's what salamanders can do now.
3: Yeah. That's like the biggest they yeah. can, their body can hold.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think they're living in these deep lakes and every hunter or expedition or every piece person that sees them in these groups are breeding groups mm. come in the shallows to lay their eggs. Okay. And then they go back in the deep. Makes sense. Okay. So there's no expedition has ever done a deep troll, a set line, or anything like that in the deep water looking for them. It's all been shallow water flipping rocks. To yeah, have. looking
3: for them to pop up. So
1: for the mis ID, if it is a giant species, and maybe it is related to the native giant jap or the giant Pacific uh, Pacific salamander, mm-hmm. it's the big cousin. So their offspring may look the same.
3: Right. As okay. The, their
1: cousins. Yeah. Larval salamander identification is almost impossible. They're all the same? I did a little bit of work. I worked with people that that was their job for the last 60 years. Larval salamander identification? Uh, Yeah, because sometimes we only catch the larva. Okay, okay. It's the gilled salamanders or depending on some species don't have gills, but it's the babies. Yeah. Their whole family groups look the same. Hmm. Every fire salamander species larval looks the same. Interesting. Every mole salamander species larva. Look the same. Hmm. Every like we call them dog because it's the first of their big scientific name is D O G, dog salamanders. It's just something we did at work. Look identical. Okay. And as adults, they are completely different. Right. Yeah. Some are yellow. Some have long tail. You know. It's but they all start from the same cut mold basically. So, my whole working thought is they did find them. They found all the larvae they wanted, but they're almost indistinguishable at that size from, from the giant Pacific salamander. So they, you think they were just fine in this? Because t- they were only searching these little creeks and rivers yeah, where they yeah. could flip logs and stuff, which were where the offspring or would hang be. out until they were big enough to go back into the main lakes. These deep-water species, we look at burbot, which is a fish that's found at, you know, up to 400, 500 feet of water. Right, yeah. But their babies hang out in creeks
3: mm, for the first couple of years.
1: You're right, yeah. Huh. This is, after I started reading this, was incredible. I think, I believe it, and these lakes... Are so hard to get to. Well, that's what I was going to say. You think it's like a localized population? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They get Salamanders into lakes do that all there. the time. Just grow. Salamanders do it all the time. And it, his original idea of uh, isol- isolation gigantism, Yeah. I believe. Yeah. That, that's it, We've seen it in lakes. We've seen it in islands. I could see that. Small just lakes easy. are the same as islands. Mm-hmm. They just... Um, so
3: There's nothing there to yeah. eat them, I guess. So we'll talk
1: about the hellbender doesn't go out west. Where's that at? Uh, the, the Mississippi drainage. Okay. And uh, off an adjunct population in the Ozarks. Okay. Which is Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas. Arkansas? Yeah, that weird, it's that weird mountain range that runs across the U.S., not up and down like the other two big ones. Okay. Okay. Because there's the Rockies and the Smokies are the two big mountain ranges. Right. The Appalachia. Yeah. The Rockies is divided into all these other little mountain ranges. The Rockies are... The young, the young mountains, which is why they're bigger. They're huge. Mm-hmm. The Smokies are the really, really old. Worn down. Yeah, but hellbenders have two subspecies: the normal hellbender, which is I can't remember its actual name now, which is just a hellbender, and then the Ozarks hellbender, which is in the Ozark Mountains. Okay. Um, and they do look very different, but n- not really. You know, a little bit coloration difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the coloration of the giant Chinese salamander they have been found now to be yellow and stuff like that. So that doesn't throw me off. So I got different color variations mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and I think when at uh, his day there were so few of them left. Right, yeah. That they just they had a couple, you know, they this is all they knew of. You are talking Chinese? They're Tri-
3: Chinese. So and um, I mean, how much access do you have cuz they're only found in China or what?
1: They're they used to be widely found. They're both both Chinese and Japanese giant salmon are critically endangered. Yeah. But they're finally being produced in captivity now. The reason they're critically endangered is the other note I had you write down. Can you eat salamanders? You're not supposed to. Okay. So this is the big thing with Asia that I do not appreciate. Okay. Is they eat every endangered species. Yeah. So giant Chinese salamanders are a delicacy. Really? Yes. They are extremely toxic. Oh, they are. They will kill you if you eat them. So what you do is you gut them, skin them. And boil them for two to three days to get oh, all the toxins out.
3: Okay, so it's easy.
1: It's three days of cooking right. to eat this thing. And by the time it's done, uh, the few people I've he- heard eat them say it's absolutely horrible. The taste? Yeah, because it's like eating rubber. Then what's the point of going through it all? Because it's, it's something they just love eating everything. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm an eater. Yeah. Uh, but... I just, it just, that's too much work
3: for something that don't taste good. For something
1: that's toxic.
3: That too. For something yeah. if you
1: cook wrong will kill you. Yeah. If, if you just bite into a giant Japanese salamander or a giant Chinese salamander, you will die. Interesting. Okay. They're full of tetrodotoxin, which is the same stuff in pufferfish and a lot of newts and salamanders. Oh. Okay. I had rough skin newts, which produced the most. You did? Yeah. That's the one I told you that could kill. Yeah. Yeah. There's eleven thousand times I'm putting cyanide.
3: That's if it bites you. Or if you eat it. If you eat it. Okay. Okay. Poison. You bite it. That's right. Toxin. It bites you. Venom. Venom, yeah. They're both
1: toxins. Right, yeah. Venom, yeah. Venom, it bites you, you die. Poison, you bite it, you die.
3: Remember kids, put that in your notebook. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Snakes aren't, there's only one species of poisonous snake.
3: Oh, that's probably full of exotic colors, ain't it?
1: Yeah, it's got all kinds of pretty rings on it. The snakes are really good about letting you know. No, but that's a mimicker. Okay. So, and I, I already brought it up once. Is that people say all the time? Well, how I've seen this when I was reading a lot, like the last thing, how could it possibly be that there is a you know, hidden species that's up to six or seven feet long, or ten feet if you want to believe they count fully? Right. How how can you hide it? Well, I already gave you the uh, reticulated siren as an example of an animal that gets three feet long, but in a heavily researched area
3: and it hasn't been seen in a hundred years. Yeah, a hundred year. It had avoided capture
1: and then they caught like three of them and then they haven't caught any more. That's
3: crazy. And I'm gonna were, see these uh, probably a breeding trio. Yeah. Is what it was. Oh, nice. And they
1: all ran into the same net. Yeah, because they oh, do this wow. little
3: chase thing. Okay,
1: and it's the only reason they caught all three of them at one time.
3: That's interesting. You're like little aliens. But the first
1: funny. time it was caught, they called the guy just like the fa- uh the father was it Father Herbert. Yeah. Father Herbert, they caught, you know, they said he was making it up. Question, yeah. The same thing happened when the first guy caught the only reticulated siren and released it. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, you made it up just to be for credit. Right, yeah. Man. And he didn't. He just... It was there. Mm-hmm. But there was greater sirens were in the area that they think may have been a mis-ID thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to my whole mis-ID thought. Right, yeah. They were assuming that when they were catching these uh, reticulated sirens that they were juvenile greater sirens hmm. so you may have been seeing them a lot longer but they haven't caught in a big adult in a long time to really look at it and be like well oh, that's a different species gotcha okay because when they're babies they're all kind of weird colors anyways right so you may just think oh that's a weird greater siren right yeah because you don't know especially the get stage like, yeah gr- graders get like five feet oh okay that's pretty big uh Amphiumum is the other one the big amph- amphibians that get five feet uh uh-huh. the barking salamanders is what they call them they're not salamanders but they're not just, the dog salamanders no oh, okay Emily had one as a pet for a long time that would bark at her give her a crayfish.
3: Really? It would literally, what did it sound like?
1: Uh, So they have one lung that's full of air and they just releasing of it. So it just sounds like a a dog's bark from really far away. Oh, really?
3: Okay. (laughs) Well, that's so cool.
1: (laughs) That's so cool. So anyways, back to the question. Yes. How could a giant salamander hide? Why I alluded to it earlier. There was two Asian species of giant salamander. Well, as of Thursday, we have 3. Ah, oh, okay. A new species. Let me pull it up. Now, I'm forgive me everybody, because I had to translate this from Chinese. <laughs> so it may be a little rough for yeah. the translation. I tried to hammer it out a little bit last night. What's this like a Chinese article? Yes, it just it just came out. So okay.
3: hot off the presses. Yeah, I mean literally Thursday. This could be like a breaking American news.
1: Um, but yeah. Okay, so this is a rough one. It If you just run straight translate, it doesn't go very well because of like just how their sentence structure is very different than our oh, sentence yeah. structure.
3: East and West is 100% different.
1: So, yes, there is a new Chinese giant salamander population uh, that is a new subspecies as of now. Uh, but modern Chinese giant salamanders, unfortunately, are an example of a wild population with extremely sparse, due to once again this is hard to read. Right. Yeah. Uh, commercial farming or com- uh, so commercial fishing is what they said uh, caused a lot of these things to disappear, which is what happened. Right. Uh, Yet yeah, commercial farming has led um, so basically now they're farmed. These salamanders. The giant Chinese salamanders are farmed for food. I was gonna say why? Why? For I food? don't know. So now the wild populations are getting a lot less stress put on them.
3: Because, okay, because they don't and have Nobody's to rob- going
1: out to catch them. Right. Which is highly illegal, and they've shot people for it, and they still do it.
3: Good. No, I'm not good, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like salamanders more than most people. That's true. As in, I like... I I, I will shoot somebody over a salamander, I, depending on the
3: species. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, if you try to kill a hellbender...
3: Good, not you'll be a hell. You.
1: Yeah, you'll be a hellbender habitat.
3: Right, exactly. You'll be hellbender food.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Shoot him in the back of the foot. The giant Japanese salamander before this, they think, was hybridizing with another species. Okay. Due to lack of mates. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they started getting what we kind of talked about, weird color variants. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to get to where. Uh, conservation measures based off the one species in the past 100 years have had little effect, but it's starting to come back. The extreme scarcity of wild populations data makes current conservation opportunities difficult. It's just hard to find them anymore. Mm-hmm. They're so sparse, and we're trying to get enough of them to breed. Uh, based on comprehensive scientific investigation in the paper reports of wild populations of giant Chinese or uh, giant salamanders found in Julie Julie Ling Seng National Nature Reserve in Jengzi.
3: So, a big nature reserve in China. Yes. Let's just put it there.
1: Over a period of 18 months, though, has had more than 700 individuals, including adults, subadults, and newly hatched salamanders, were recorded in the field. A wild breeding observer uh, over the two consecutive years. Genome level, specific genome, it's just a way to test. I'm not going to read the whole big word. Okay.
3: It's just... A genome test.
1: Yeah. Basically, <laughs> it's a new species. Completely? Yeah, and of Andreas salamander. So it's not a hybrid of like two No nope, they thought it was. And it's not. Uh, they did genome tests. It's not. Wow. Okay, cool. It's its own species and it has its own scientific name. Uh And Andreas uh Jing it's named after the city. Okay, okay. It's named after the
3: city. So it's another Chinese salamander.
1: And it's the first pure population of a new Andreas ever discovered in modern history. That's awesome. Um twenty twenty two. But yeah, so I'm not gonna read the whole rest of this article because it's horrible. Uh, but they <laughs> they are very, very excited. Seven hundred individuals in one area is insane. That's a I was they gonna say. They were worried there was lot. less than two thousand left in China.
3: Yeah. And they found seven hundred and one spots. Which spot.
1: are a whole new species. They're uh, they kind of were leaning towards why they're bouncing back a lot better than the true Chinese giant salamander. Yeah. Is because their breeding popular or their breeding procedures are different. Okay. The way they reproduce is probably different. And so they're their overall conservation efforts have been better for these guys rather than the normal Chinese giant salamander. Oh, okay. So, like hellbenders are really hard to breed in captivity, for example. So it's just it takes a long time to get p- ones to put back in the wild because mm-hmm. you got to keep some because you want your breeding numbers better. Basically, the more breeding pairs you have, the more animals you can put back. Right, exactly. So they're very excited for this. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot they're working on, but that's awesome. Though. By the genome, they are completely different species. So twenty
3: twenty two, we have a brand new species on Earth we'd never discovered before,
1: and we don't know their top out size. Yeah, uh, we're assuming a lot about this species right now. Right. But basically, now with genome technology, we know it's a different species before we mm-hmm. have really. But you know, about the same four foot, five foot as you, a big adults. Can you tell that through the genome or not? No, you can just tell it's a different animal. Okay. That's like comparing two just basic pictures, A and B. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, you know it's not the same, but you don't know you ha- you can't read it yet. Can't you like DNA
3: test or something and see like, or is that genome still?
1: Is that yeah, it's on, that's on humans and stuff like that. That's okay. because our genome is mapped. Right. This creature's brand new; hasn't been mapped.
3: True. Okay. So
1: it's really just looking to comparing the giant Chinese salamander versus this new species this, yes. A and B. That's just, so you can you, you see both pictures. This is different. Mm-hmm different Uh, enough to be its own thing okay makes sense um and they theorize that this animals leaving this population are what was causing weird color variations in the chinese giant salamanders
3: ah so maybe the chinese could have been crossbreeding with these
1: they think these were leaving their home area and going and crossbreeding because their populations were a lot more stable so they actually had animals uh leaving to breed yeah Okay, makes sense. Which is the natural way. Right. Once an area gets overcrowded, you just, you just move. Move out, yeah. Some of the younger ones move. That's yeah. awesome. So, with Hellbenders, so, yeah. Well, I guess I've talked an awful lot, so go ahead and say something.
3: Sorry, excuse me. I mean, this has been a a learning episode. Let's call it that. Let's try this up very science, I mean, there's not much for me to say on these ones, but I like, these are the ones I like listening to. I this like, was
1: an amazing Sorry, go on.
3: I was just say it pieces together, like, it just puts together little things you're not really thinking of, at least the everyday person all the time.
1: That's it right. was, you like to use the word synchronicity. Yeah. Because literally, I was writing the script last night. I did not know about the giant, uh, the new species discovered until one of my friends posted about it in one of our salamander pages. Oh, well, salamander pages. Mm-hmm. One of our salamander pages. It's mm-hmm. hilarious to me. I have like 13 of them. on.
3: Now, <laughs> I believe it.
1: I've, i'm i'm one of the three successful breeders of true
3: sss that's the other all oh, the salamander 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 mm-hmm. yep yeah so in, in the u.s
1: or in the world in the u.s there's okay. a lot in europe there's a lot in europe because you can oh, get yeah. them
3: they're just there yeah
1: basically they were not the sss wasn't very popular before the band mm-hmm. so they just weren't a lot of them here uh, okay because they're they were considered wait what band the salamander import band oh okay so, so you can't get them in no you can't anymore. what's here is what's here Wow, oh, wow so the reason that they're not very popular is they weren't considered the prettier ones yeah so the other ones though that were prettier quote were in here in abundance right yeah so they're not worth as much now but supply and demand
3: now look at it but yeah the table sss turned. disappeared
1: because yeah. they just weren't here nobody wanted them because they're a lot more black how can they think they're not pretty well because i'll show you some of their cousins okay it's it's a comparative thing Gotcha. When your cousin has red and yellow stripes and looks like he's on fire.
3: Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. I love
1: them. I love the more black ones, though. I think it makes the yellow prettier. Pop, yeah, yeah. It looks awesome. But, yeah, this is a crazy story. Yeah, it is. I mean, with tons of academics, which you don't see in this a lot. You don't see right, yep. college researchers going out and looking for cryptids. Especially if nothing ever re- you know really turns up. Again and again, they didn't find anything. Exactly, and I think it was the research method was wrong,
3: which makes sense if you're if you're and looking for creature with a lot. Not. A yeah, lot.
1: I uh, you know I did endangered species surveys, mm-hmm. and you can change. So I'll tell you a story about the Ohio DNR that's embarrassing for them in this area specifically. Oh. Ooh, okay. Uh, just down the road. Okay, let's hear it. So a species of fish called the least darter. Least darter. Yes, they're okay. tiny little fish were critically endangered in Ohio for a while they weren't hmm. so they live one year So okay. basically they live long enough to breed the next spring and then, and they're then they die yeah so in the summer if you look for them there's none of them uh, are they small yeah okay. so the adults are about half an inch long oh so their babies are super tiny yeah so if you did DNR does their this is an actual knock on the DNR it just this is an example of the survey method being wrong for the species you're trying to look for. An example of real things that happened. Yes. Okay. And they basically were looking in the summer and seeing that there was no least artery adults. Mm-hmm. Because there's none. Right. They're not. But the population doesn't work like that. Their species doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So if you once they DNR kinda of realized that, they did research in the fall, found they are everywhere in northwest Ohio.
3: Yeah. They
1: are not endangered at uh, all. Yeah. They got they they were one of the few species that went off of being I think they were endangered. They may have been threatened. And then they went all the way down to common. So in reality,
3: they never were.
1: Right. It's just an example of the research method being incorrect for a certain species. Yep. But the rest of the species in the system, it was fine for. Right. Yep. So, yeah, that was a thing that happened here. Least starters, I believe, I think it was endangered. It may have been threatened. Uh, That's just how my mind works. I know they were protected. Okay. Enough to be on a list. Yeah. Yep. They were on a list for sure. And then they went down to being common. Right. And it just because it's just an example, like with this, I think the research method was wrong. Yeah. Which happens Could, all the time. Exactly. All the time when we're looking for stuff like American eels and stuff like that. Certain species need very, very certain uh, research methods to find them. And a lot of species don't. A lot of species, the general research will be fine for them. Mm-hmm. So it's just hard to kind of pick. Well, most
3: research methods I think are kind of blanket research methods
1: yes that's the that's yeah it depends
3: on what you're looking for and if you're unless you're targeting something very specific that, that you already know how it acts that's a whole different story but when you don't even know how something like, acts how do i know you... in uh
1: minnesota they did uh sturgeon surveys mm-hmm. with gill nets and but the gill nets weren't touching the bottom so they didn't catch any sturgeon
3: right so they're probably oh so they're not even here
1: that's kind of they realized what they were doing and they fixed it but yeah They're like, oh, we're not – they know there's sturgeon there. They're seeing them on the fish finder and not catching them. They're like, why? Oh, because the net's not touching
3: the bottom. They don't leave the bottom. It's like trying to test uh, how much gas is – like what kind of gas is in a room with a butterfly net.
1: No. It's just wrong. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, you guys got to – it's one of those things where they knew how to look for giant – or Pacific giant salamanders. And they found them. And they, But they didn't – that's the research message they looked. Right. They're in their head. And I get the, I get the thought process because we'd still do it today. Mm-hmm. It has not changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was on an American eel survey that was wrong. And we knew it was wrong after we started doing it. But uh, what, we, you have to finish the survey out because right, you can't yeah. change it during anyway. – You can't change horses in mm-hmm. midstream. But uh, no they, pun- they found the giant Pacific salamanders. Right. They found a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they probably did find – the Trinity's alps giant salamanders and i i really think they were finding larval versions they happen to look just like their cousins i'm assuming that they are not andrea salamanders which are the asian giants right yeah and they're not hellbenders which are the the eastern us giants do you think they're mud puppies big mud i pups? don't think they're mud puppies either okay i just assuming but i'm assuming common behavior because of common habitat right yeah uh they have these access to these deep water cold lakes which mud puppies have access to deep water, cold lakes, and that's when mud puppies truly get their giantest form, which is just uh, a couple feet, you know, two feet, okay. and maybe a pound or two. They get fat. So, do you think this
3: could these could be like whole brand new? Uh...
1: Salamander species they oh, yeah. found. Yeah, I think it's a new species. Okay. I think it's a cousin, to not Pacific just, giant,
3: not one already existing that just grew huge because it had its own little space.
1: Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So that'd be. I think it's its own or, thing by like, f- by a long shot. Com- I think it's been separated. F- both, f- yeah. Maybe? I think it's been separated for a long enough time. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, do I believe the ten feet? Do you believe the ten feet? We had a lot of reports of nine to ten feet. A lot of reports of five to six, though, too.
3: Um why not i'm gonna say there's one out there that probably could have just could
1: so i'm basing off a of hellbender. the biggest hellbender i think we have is four feet okay uh do not get as big as the chinese and the japanese okay but they could they just have had a hard time the last 150 200 years yeah so who's to say they don't get five feet long like they're the, the asian counterparts yes yeah um i really think seven feet is probably their top out, yeah, on all these species, because mm-hmm. the body the salamanders, their bone structure and stuff like that can't support a big. They are just fear. that they are different than their ancient cousins. Yeah, uh, their ancient cousins were like hard boned. I mean,
3: unless it was an ancient cousin that was so isolated, protected so long, mm, no, no one touched. A,
1: no mass extinctions. That's okay. why they're not here. They didn't. It's not because they fell to the wayside. It's because the planet lit on fire lakes at the deep, end of the rain. Lakes deep enough. You but know. It's in the mountain. It's near the. F- so that's when they think the giant salamanders went out is because the oxygen in the air was so high ah. that it caused a world fire. Interesting. Okay. So, so
3: they, they grew huge because all the oxygen. the oxygen, and then they lit them on fire. Yeah,
1: forest fires were really prevalent, even in swamps. Oh yeah, to see a swamp burn is uh, an incredible thing because it's hard.
3: Weren't forest fires like way more common than they are nowadays?
1: Yeah, they should be. That's right. how It's It's an important part of the, the system. hmm Like, uh, hawking still does controlled fires. Uh,
3: yeah, why don't they do that? It seems like they don't do that as often. Because it's
1: scary. It scares it,
3: people. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, it does, especially when they use it to scare people. Well, like, I'm just
1: talking about, like, when they do it in the hawking and stuff, everybody's like, oh, we don't want a controlled fire and right, stuff like yeah. that. oh yeah. And they're like, well, this is for the ecosystem's health and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Natives did it, too. Yeah, everybody Control does. Everybody, yeah. Secretary Birds light fields on fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, Secretary Birds? Mm-hmm. What's that? It's a little bird that grabs a stick from a man that's on fire, and then they light a field on fire to catch animals. Wow, smart bird. Mm-hmm. Birds are smart. <laughs> but yeah, back to the salamander. Yeah. This is incredible to me, because it's just one of these stories that has everything, like we kind of said already, everything from a millionaire big hunter... Which is awesome. ...to college professors from Berkeley. Yeah. ...over 100 years have gone and looked for this thing. With mixed results... Uh, I think, did we say Tom Slick thought he'd seen one? Uh, Yeah, yeah, in Lauren Coleman's book, he seen one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's his account. So he had, I think that's why he gave up on it, because he had his proof. He knew, they're probably in really low numbers, and they're probably in these deep lakes. Yeah. And they just...
3: But it wasn't enough to...
1: I mean, you'd have to run, you'd probably have to run hoop nets, Mm -hmm. or a long line on the bottom. But anything on a long line would probably die, and you brought it up. We should put that on the bucket list one day.
3: Let's go search. It's these only, lakes. It's
1: only a day and a half drive. Oh, shoot. We could fly
3: in and drop in off parachute and... I'm not flying in.
1: <laughs> no, we could walk up and throw a big meaty hook into the lake. Heck
3: yeah, I would do that. Spend a week up there. I would do that. We'll find us We'll find us a salamander. We'll find us a salamander. I mean, imagine you being on one of your Facebook groups, salamander groups, with a picture Looking of...
1: Looking for the Trinity's Alps giant salamander. Or
3: even finding it.
1: But then we talked about the sacro sacramento river uh they found what he claimed was a giant chinese salamander with unusual coloration hmm
3: like like maybe one in captivity that got out and just grew
1: in the 50s
3: i guess i don't know the trade back then no no they would not have made it over the ocean
1: no i mean they're very sensitive
3: oh like shipping wise like traveling
1: how the heck would one get here
3: Unless it's one that was already here. They wouldn't. Right. So it's
1: something different that was already I here. I think it might have been one that got out of the river system in the mountain. Yeah. And somebody caught it. Worked its way down. And they may have been more common in the lower systems before people. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, mud puppies are everywhere in Ohio's rivers. And Like really? the big rivers. And people just don't see them a lot because they don't look for them. I've never seen one. They're everywhere. They're right below the dam in Indian Lake. Really? Mm-hmm. I've caught them in, a, in a nets there.
3: They, they put up a good fight?
1: Mm-hmm. Don't really? bite the
3: heck out of you. So if you hook one...
1: People think they're, they're, they're catfish.
3: Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. They're just a
1: big tail. They're just muscle and tail.
3: Yeah. That sounds like fun to fight with.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, we catch them on, like I said, ice fishing all the time. So salamanders are the, a good habitat indicator of good water quality. Mm-hmm. So like when we start catching them, we're like, well, we know there's a lot of habitat down there.
3: So if the bigger the salamander, is that better water quality?
1: Not, not necessarily. Nec- okay. It just means they have more opportunity uh, to be an apex. Okay. Gotcha. Like the hellbender is really a shallow river apex Hmm. because he goes where he's flat and big so he can get up in these smaller parts of these rivers where like musky and stuff can't get right
3: yeah oh yeah so there's no competition really for him yep
1: and i told you about the one time we had a hellbender pop up during a stock survey and we had to stop and we had to watch it and it was a whole day event uh but it was neat to see a hellbender yeah uh but that was one time when i shocked all of ohio's i've shocked Every every watershed in Ohio, I have shocked. Yes, I had to make sure in my head.
3: Yeah, but and only once you found a hellbender. Yeah,
1: tons of mud puppies. Oh my gosh. Yeah, mud puppies everywhere. Like it's weird. Mud puppies, you don't see them for miles, and then there's like fifty of them.
3: When you shock them, do they all float to the surface? Or no, something? they get mad. Oh. They get real mad. So it doesn't even it it bothers. It them? doesn't do like fish do. Yeah. Do fish float all float up?
1: No, f- they don't float up. They actually swim towards the positive. Huh. Is a positive negative in the water? Yeah. So that's kind of a uh, cartoon illustration of the fish floating up because we're not killing anything. No, I know you're not killing them. It's very light electricity. So the fish actually swim towards the positives. Which is what? On the surface? Yeah. Oh, okay. The negatives on the back of the boat. And so it's like a big circle. Oh, So the fish all okay.
3: swim at the positive end so we can net them. Interesting. That's pretty awesome. Didn't know that. I just mm-hmm. figured you shocked it. They got knocked out and floated up. Nope. You a lot of fish up. don't float. Interesting. Didn't know that learning uh, anything this, else you want this, to say
1: before it's a good science learning I, was gonna, I told you at the beginning this is going to be science chunky yeah oh, uh, i love like everything this. from the hellbender the giant chinese to the new giant chinese salamander yeah exactly the and i do not have a common name Com- for yeah. it yet
3: yeah um i think we should we should go find this thing one day i'm
1: actually kind of down for that
3: and uh if we find it we'd be the first person to take pictures with it right
1: yes definitely
3: i think that deserves your name on it hmm i think a common or a no you're not
1: allowed to name it after yourself just so you know
3: i will name it after yourself there you go um what what would it be a scientific name let's end the episode on a good scientific name
1: named after you so let me find the giant pacific salamander scientific name i want to know yeah i want to think i think we should name one
3: if you could come up with a scientific name
1: well yeah i just need to I, i gotta get the family right right yeah i know okay Uh, so it'd be (laughs) Dicampodontius Angliotis.
3: Oh, you'd use your last name. Mm -hmm. All right. Most people use their last name. Angliotis. All right.
1: Let's go find it. I'm fine. All right. We're going to go find the giant, the Chinese Alps giant salamander. We'll see you guys next week and let you know how we did. Uh, I don't think we're going today.
3: (laughs) I got to move this house. That's true. Hey, some things are more important than that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Salamander hunting. Oh, well, yeah. I'll bring one back, put it in a fish tank. <laughs> exactly. How it, fill up all else. All right, guys. I have been the slimy Justin. <laughs> and I've been... Uh, the amphibious Jay. <laughs> yeah,
3: I like it. I'm the amphibious
1: Jay. <laughs> and together we are Creepers of the Corn Podcast. Uh, we went really far out for this one because of my obsessions. Yeah. There's corn there, I'm sure.
3: There's corn... I think they'll feed off corn.
1: I think they'll eat corn.
3: There's a kernel of corn truth in there.
1: All right, guys. We'll catch you next week with, I believe, we're going to go up to New England and look in the pine bearings for a new creature. Ooh. I think that's what we're doing. We'll see how these come out in order. All if right. not, that's a hint for nothing. Yeah. All right, guys.
0: You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.